0: You, the listener, are listening to the Budapest Beacon podcast. It is Wednesday, October 19th. Joining me today, Justin Spike, writer for the Budapest Beacon. Hello. And Richard Field, managing editor of the Budapest Beacon. Do you guys know what happened on this day in 1900? Enlighten us. German physicist Max Planck produced his law of black body emission.
1: It's a red letter day. Yeah. So,
0: we are going to talk to you guys today about what happened over the weekend. There was a- there was a- uh, an opposition protest, it was an interesting protest. Uh, Justin and I went out, uh, a few other people, um, from Uptug also went out. Uh, we made a video about this that was uploaded to the Beacon. So we're gonna talk about that today, we're gonna talk about what's happening over the weekend. October 23rd, of course, is probably the most political holiday in Hungary. That's where people on the right and the left all try to somehow subjugate uh, the events of 1956 to their own political will and uh, so there's going to be a lot happening over the weekend so let's get started so opposition parties met up on Sobotchaito Utsa, free press street by Ferenciek square which is on the pest side of the um, Elizabeth bridge they came together there was a politician from LMP Akwesh Hathazi came out Peter Ujhas spoke from from Adyut. Um, Benedek Javor from uh, Dialog for Hungary, or PM, and also Horgitaj Miklos, who was a writer for, for Neb Sabatschag.
1: So, Justin, uh, you attended this event. Uh, what were the highlights that you would raise up here? Well, the event appeared to have been attended by several thousand people. The crowd stretched from Elizabeth Bridge all the way to the far end of Tere. Uh, there were highlights from each of the speakers. Um, each of them emphasized the primary role of corruption within within Hungarian governance today uh, the the protest was ostensibly about the closure of Nape Sabotschag and in, in opposition to the closure of Nape Sabotschag, in that that closure uh, was a limiting of, of free press in Hungary but the speakers and the political parties who took part also emphasized the role the corruption plays in, in Hungarian government so it was kind of a two-sided protest that they that they put on and they took jabs at at uh
0: Aside from like uh, the corruption and the free press, they took jabs at the lack of independence at government institutions that or state institutions that should otherwise be independent. So we saw, um, you know, statements were made about the National Election Committee, um, about the chief prosecutor's office, and, uh, and saying how it was like this broad picture they were painting. How all of this is somehow interconnected. The reason why the schools are in such bad condition and the hospitals are in such bad condition. So it seems like corruption here um is at the root of all of this as Hazi pointed out he said that they're stealing so much money these guys are stealing so much money that they can do whatever they want they can buy up whatever they want so the methods of coercion have changed from you know string you know strong arming somebody and bullying them to just buying them up or putting them out of business.
1: And as Benedict Yavos said, from uh, from Dialogue for Hungary and 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 uh, European Parliament member, he said that uh, corruption in Hungary is not a side effect of government; it is the system itself in Hungary. So I thought that uh, the focus that uh, this demonstration brought to corruption and its role within Hungarian governance was a, a really timely statement to make uh, and a good idea, really, to to make it more. Uh, more of a broad stroke, not just about the closure of Nap Sabachag, but about how all of these things are connected.
0: And what was, uh, if if there was anything that was said at this uh, at this event that that particularly uh, you know touched you deep inside, or that that uh, meant something more than just a political speech? What was that?
1: Well, the Budapest Beacon spoke after the statements were made by politicians and by Horgita Miklos with um, a prominent lawyer Magyar uh who said that that in a democracy. There cannot be uh, this kind of limiting of press freedoms. If 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 there's statements made by the press which are critical of the government, then the government is free to deny them and to provide information to show that those claims are untrue. But what you cannot do in a democracy is to silence and to stamp out that kind of criticism. So that statement is what stuck with me. And you saw a lot of the footage, Richard. What did you uh, What did you make of this event?
2: I couldn't help but notice a uh, conspicuous absence of MSP politicians. The Hungarian Socialist Party has been remarkably quiet about this whole thing because, uh, in fact, uh, the Hungarian Socialist Party is complicit in what has happened to uh, Nebszobot Schaig. Uh, their foundation, the Free Press uh, Foundation, formerly owned like 27% uh, of Nebszobot Schaig, if I'm not mistaken. But then a few years ago, they um, decided to sell the shares in that paper. and. Uh, And while that paper may not have been the mouthpiece of the party, it certainly was the main uh, opposition print daily. And I think without it, it's going to be very difficult for the Hungarian Socialist Party to make any kind of progress in the run-up to the next election Uh, in terms Uh, of- How do you uh, mean? I think MSP is really on the ropes. I think that there is something to these claims on the part of a number of um, new opposition uh, leaders that uh, MSP is actually part of the problem. Uh, I think what we're seeing is the emergence of a new nucleus of a political opposition in Hungary, which steers clear of the Hungarian Socialist Party, uh, which, although it has a number of new faces who were not in government uh, six years ago, still maintains close ties to the old left-wing political elite, which uh, has been largely discredited. Just to touch on what you just said, um, but wasn't this the case in
0: 2012, 2013? So we saw when Youth was created and we're kind of going off topic here, but we'll, we'll come back in, but just to kind of elaborate on this is that we're kind of re-experiencing what we saw back then. There was this whole idea that these new parties, LMP, um, Ed Ute, would somehow act as like a, offer an alternative for the for the disillusioned left-wing voters who who didn't turn out to vote in 2010, who pretty much handed Fidesz this victory on a on a platter. Don't you feel like this is essentially the same thing that's happening now? Because you look at, Who's at the top of MSP? You got Molnár Dula. That party's pretty. That speaks to the party's, uh, you know, current condition. Um, It doesn't seem to me like this this political movement that you're talking about is
2: something anything different than what we've seen in the past. The the so-called United Opposition in 2014 um, suffered from what I would call the nth degree of separation uh, malady. All right, so. Virtually everyone, with the possible exception of Juhás Péter, was connected to a greater or lesser extent with the socialist government of Jurchan Ferenc, including Descartes mm-hmm. Chairman uh, Jurchan Ferenc, or Ferenc Jurchan, uh, as we would say in English, which I think largely undermined the uh, credibility uh, of the political opposition. I remember at one point you were speaking to Péter Juhás, uh, who is now the vice president of EGUT, about this, you know, and he said it was a big mistake. It was a big mistake for them to get into bed with these guys. And I think this is informing Edu's current political strategy to, to stay clear of both the Hungarian Socialist Party
1: and Ferenc Democratic Coalition. And they're not the only ones either. I think it's starting to be uh, a bit of a wave through the Hungarian opposition to steer clear of. Diorchain Ferenc specifically. Bernadette Sea was on ATV television program just the other day, emphasized that her party uh, politics can be different, LMP, held it very close to them that by all means stay distant from the Democratic coalition and Ferenc and Diorchain going forward.
0: What's interesting for me is that this criticism that, that LMP has against Ferenc Diorchain is a criticism that can equally, if not more, be levied against uh, Fidesz and you see that uh, LMP has had no problem whatsoever, um, even, you know, Schiefer the co-chair, doing tours around the country with Fidesz politicians, you know, and uh, you, you don't see that same hostility towards uh, politicians on the right. It's a weird, strange thing. I don't know what to make of it. You know, I guess it's up to the political scientists to determine what, what all of that means. But it's a good segue to, to the next question here because um, during the protest, when you asked Peter, uh, talked, um, when he delivered his speech, he said that if anybody saw um, MT, MTK, it's a local soccer club here in Budapest. They unveiled this new stadium that, that they had uh, rebuilt. Viktor Orban shows up to deliver like this speech and you know to, uh, to usher in this new era for MTK. And he gets up there and speaks, and he was heckled like it was no one's business they were whistling and shouting it wasn't like you know a thunderous applause in support of him they did not like seeing him there in my opinion and based on f- of what how i've seen things transpire here in the past few years victor orban does not speak in places where he is not in control of who is in attendance unless he can guarantee that there will be thunderous applause whenever he opens his mouth you know that it's a it's it's like this crowd of sheep and they they control this environment very much and here was an example of him speaking and these people didn't want to see him there. And what Juhasz Peter said, he brought this up in his speech, and he's like, you know, clearly this bothers Orban. It bothers his ego. And he said that uh, on October 23rd, um, Viktor Orban's going to deliver a speech here at uh, at Koshuter, uh, just in front of parliament. And, uh, and he encouraged all of the people in attendance at this protest to go out to Viktor Orban's speech and to heckle him, to whistle. And so he's, like, organizing this campaign behind this idea that... Uh, Okay, so a bunch of people are just going to show up to Viktor Orban's speech and troll him. Now, the reason why this is interesting and where this ties into do do these little parties want to be affiliated with this old discredited elite? Viktor Orban will be speaking on Sunday. At the very same time, opposition politicians and their parties will be hosting an event at Blaha, Luis Ater, and uh, Edyut won't be showing up to that because they'll be whistling at Viktor Orban's speech. So it just goes to show, I mean... Is this a sign that you, Péter still doesn't want to be around Jucháin Ferenc? Or is it a sign that, you know, he sees that at this point you just need to heckle these guys? You need to make them feel uncomfortable.
1: It's a good question. And it's a point of contention, I think, among the opposition parties. So, uh, at Kossuth during Viktor Orban's speech, yes, Edut will be there and any number of people who were at last Sunday's protest plan to go there and whistle him down, basically, just to heckle him during his speech, which is a significant thing because October 23rd in Hungary is the commemoration of the beginning of the 1956 uh, uprising uh, against Soviet domination. This is something which is very, very close to the hearts of almost all Hungarians from either side of the political aisle. So when the prime minister gets up on a day like that, on a, on a very solemn day like that, to make statements to the nation apropos of, of, uh, of this national holiday and this day of remembering, that all of these people would go there with the explicit intention of heckling him and trolling his, uh, his speech is a very confrontational political tactic. And this is, this is what Juhás that has, has suggested that people do. On the other hand, as you mentioned, at the exact same time, not too far away, at Blaha Luisa Ter, Uh, not only the Socialist Party, but Ferenc Duoczain's democratic coalition, Parbesed Magyarorsägert, Dialogue for Hungary, a movement for a modern Hungary, the Solidarity Movement, uh, and the New Hungarian Republic. All of these groups are going to be gathering together uh, to have their own demonstration. Uh, And I looked it up. This demonstration is called Let's Wash Off the Shame, and that's taking place at Blaha. Uh, on Facebook, there's 1,300 people attending that event. There's 342 people attending the, the heckling event at Koshuter, uh, uh sponsored by Edut. And on the other hand, there's 2,500 people going to a more grassroots demonstration against... A separate one. A separate one against uh, Viktor Orbán, which is called Making Orbán Resign mm-hmm. Demonstration. Force him to resign. Force him to resign. Uh, that's organized by the... Uh, civil opposition roundtable uh, organization, and that's going on at the same time. So the opposition has been unable to find a united way even to protest. You
0: know, it's and it's not anything new. Um, this is pretty much what happened before the last election. For those of you who don't live in Hungary and who are listening here, at this time before the last election, um, this was when, you know, you there's a lot of chatter amongst opposition parties. How are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do to somehow win this election? So, so these protests—who shows up, who doesn't show up? Um, you know, what time is it going to be held? Where is it going to be held? These are these are actually hot hot topics right now. These are things that are being discussed. There's, there's a lot of maneuvering going on here, and uh, I think what's what's interesting um, about this October twenty third is. You know, U.S. Peter came out and he said, we're going to troll Viktor Orban. And what's most interesting about what he said was, I think, um, and I'm just going to make a, you know, I wonder whether this was a foreshadowing of what Uhas may do at the, uh, at the protest. When he was speaking on Sunday, he said that Viktor Orban and Fidesz are putting Hungary right up Putin's rear end. But he used more street language. You know, I, I don't think I have to explain here the significance of 1956. There's a reason why Hungarians for so long were so hostile towards Russia. The word that Hungarians use is they have this zigar. It's like a, I don't know, like this just gut hatred, like this thing, you know, distrust of of the Russians. And you know, bringing this point up at this demonstration or at this uh, at Orbán speech at a time when Russia is being aggressive in the neighboring country, at a time when Viktor Orbán is the only EU leader who will welcome um, Putin into his country. I think, you know, what Juhás is trying, if he does try that, that would be a pretty interesting thing to see. Somebody's going to get spit on, somebody's gonna, probably going to get hit if they try whistling or doing something to disrupt Orbán's speech. But you know, anyway, that'll be interesting to see.
2: Well, hopefully it won't come to that. It's a uh, sorry state of affairs that political opposition leaders uh, should feel the need to resort to this. But the problem is there is no substantive discussion of important issues in the public forum, which is a shame. You know, elections in Hungary just seem to be kind of uh, popularity contests. And perhaps even in the United States, uh, they're starting to become that. But at least in the United States, in the 18, 24 months leading up to national elections, there is a substantive discussion across uh, American society about the the main issues of the day. Um, Last two elections, uh, almost nothing. In 2010, I'm sure Fetus did have a program. It did have a platform, but it's basically campaigned on a slogan of just Fetus. That was it. Anything but these guys. Yeah. And then in 2014, basically they campaigned on a slogan of more of the same, whatever that meant. What's lacking in Hungarian politics is just public discussion of the many issues uh, and, and problems uh, facing Hungarian society. Only if, if, if there's a change in that So I think Hungarian democracy can be put on a, f- a firm
1: footing. But the question, obviously, and the great challenge of the opposition is how to make that change and by what means. The structure of the election laws uh, in Hungary is such that it makes it very, very difficult politically and legally to, to have influence in parliament uh, by the opposition parties. And that's why they've now been... Talking as if they they might get together and unite the opposition parties, at least with the aim of changing the uh, election laws, so that so that there won't be another situation in 2018 when Fidesz can get some 40% of the popular vote and have more than 65% of the uh, of, of seats in parliament.
2: Well, it was more like 45% that they got in 2014, but, uh, but your, your point is well taken. There's been a lot of
0: discussion about this. There was this piece in Hatvan where Horosti Miklos
2: says that the opposition
0: parties need to boycott. They need to boycott and uh, in this way try to force a change of the election law across now we had Gagar Koachin here who is the uh, he's the co-chair of a small left-wing party um, dialogue for Hungary that kind of broke off from uh, LMP back in early 2013 and uh, you know I asked him about this it, you know what are the plans for the the election you know is a boycott something that they would con- that that you know he would consider and what was really interesting and and I get this I get this a lot from opposition politicians when I talk to them is that everybody's very hesitant about, you know, declaring a boycott. And the reason for that is that obviously, if you're a small party, what you stand to lose is that, okay, so you boycott and then a bunch of people are going to just vote for DECA and MSP because they'll suddenly pop in and be like, okay, we're just kidding. We're not going to boycott. And then, you know, they'll kind of increase their base and destroy these little parties. But what was really interesting in this conversation I had with Gergely yesterday is that I asked him, I said, do you have a democracy in Hungary anymore? Do you believe that you do? Because if at that point, if you believe that you no longer have a democracy here, you know, primaries, early elections, whatever, doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing. And what did he say? Well, he said he doesn't believe Hungary has a democracy. He thinks that you need to keep trying and keep doing these things. But, you know, at the end of the day, all of this is just kind of fuels this, uh, you know, this this structure that has been set up here where it's like, you know, you have His Majesty's opposition. You know, you're playing the role that's been assigned to you and you're doing it so well. And I, I guess that's why one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why it's so exciting to see politicians like uh, like Pete has, they just go out and do things that haven't been done yet. So they're like disrupting, they're disrupting the the natural flow of things. In the, in the political sector, and at the same time, they don't want to be affiliated with, you know, that discredited old, uh, you know, establishment. I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, it's going to be an interesting election to cover, and we see right now on the left, there's this, on the left end, we'll say the center-right, because there's MoMA, who's also a part of this. Um, we see that there is a lot of talk, a lot of, like, background, you know, discussions happening, should there be primaries, is this going to happen? This is the this is what do they call this the calm before the storm of the campaign? This is when a lot of rumors are flowing around. Who's doing what? It'll be interesting to see how the uh, the opposition parties actually use protests like the ones we saw, um, the one we saw last week, and ones that'll happen over you know the coming days to see how these guys are able to work together, and uh, you know and fulfill their role as His Majesty's opposition.
2: I watched that interview, and it was a very good interview, and uh, we're going to post it on Facebook uh, yet today. And uh, one thing that he said that really got my attention was, uh, you know, that Dialogue for Hungary, they want to sit down with the uh, Democratic opposition parties in the near future uh, to discuss the possibility of holding a primary. And uh, one thing he said, which I thought was extraordinary, was that he said, look, we have to be prepared to cooperate with Jobik, that if Jobik can put forward a candidate... In a given electoral district that uh, wins a primary, then that candidate should be the united opposition candidate. He said, who are we as you know, the left-wing opposition to tell that constituency that, oh, no, no, that person shouldn't represent you. That was the first time I've heard a so-called democratic opposition uh, leader float the possibility of kind of a grand political alliance between the parties of the left and Jobik. It gets back to the fundamental problem with Hungary's political system, which is that you don't really have constituencies. Some 45% of members of parliament actually get into parliament on so-called national party lists. They're not directly elected. Viktor
0: Orban has never been directly elected to a seat in parliament so much for so much for this beacon the being the beacon of de- democracy well
2: there there were good arguments for doing it that way it was intended to help smaller parties who might not be able to muster enough votes in any one constituency to send delegates to parliament but who countrywide might be able to get enough votes uh, to be able to send people on a party list and which is not a bad idea But the problem is, and this does not only pertain to people entering parliament on on national lists, on party lists, all these parliamentarians are beholden to their party leadership because their ability to run for office depends on remaining in the good graces of Party leadership, which is why it's very rare when you see anyone breaking ranks. It's almost unheard of for anyone to break ranks, and that doesn't only apply to fetus that applies to uh, uh, other opposition parties as well.
0: And you know there are mishaps that come about as a result of this. And it was just a week and a half ago that MSB voted in favor of this, uh making secret the tau the tau monies. Their their parliamentary delegation. They have one guy who says, "Okay, this is how we're voting on this thing. All right, quick press no." And then he screwed up and voted in favor of a of a pretty controversial piece of uh, um, legis- like a legislative modification. I mean,
2: he, he didn't actually come out and say this, but what he's really talking about is is a restoration of grassroots democracy, not restoration, introduction of grassroots democracy, where candidates are chosen by their constituencies to represent them in parliament. What's unusual about the United States uh, is that it's it's not unusual, all right, for congressmen even senators, to vote differently than majority of the other members of their party because they represent the interests of their constituents. And they're held
0: accountable by their constituents. And if they don't
2: properly represent their interests, they're not going to be reelected.
0: That is that is an interesting point. But, you know, the reason why I wouldn't compare, make this comparison, this has been something that we've actually talked about quite a bit, like, you know, like a comparative analysis on why it is that the electorate behaves in a certain way. And one of the things that I'm coming to is that in, in, in Hungary, and I think this may be the same way in, in other countries in the region. And, and this is a trend that's now also starting to emerge in the United States, is that you look at you look at who the main leader is, political leader of the country, and these people are treated as Messiah figures. And at that point, it doesn't really matter who's between you and them. As long as this guy is able to you know to satisfy your ego and somehow make a compelling argument that you can understand for why you need to vote for him, you will do anything that anybody says at that point. And you, you just don't. I mean, you could walk around here, just go outside or walk down, take the Mosh go a few stops that way, and ask people who is the who is the representative of your electoral. Nobody knows. Nobody knows who the who their parliamentarian is. And you know, you have. I guess. I guess that's one of the good things about having this cult of personality is that you can just put these little pawns in, and then they just vote however they vote. You know, the people don't know what pieces of legislation they're how they're how they're. Uh, elected representative voted on a given piece of legislation. They have no idea. All they know is that Victor said, this is how we do it, and that's how we do it. And then that's, that's, that's the good way.
2: Another point that Gergely Korachan, who, as you pointed out, you know, is uh, the mayor of Zugló, He's also, I think, the co-chair of yeah. uh, Dialogue for Hungary. He observed that demonstrations organized by um, civil leaders, civil activists over the past year and a half have actually succeeded in turning out far more people than demonstrations organized by uh, opposition political parties. And um, uh, he says that is a political reality that uh, um, the political opposition has to uh, has to contend with. They you know they cannot ignore that. And um, and again, uh, so if as in the case of Zoltan case in Veszprem, you know when he won that by election, if there's a civil. Uh, Just a regular given. civilian who can muster a majority then he should be the candidate. I would encourage our listeners to watch that interview. We're going to subtitle it in English. It might take a day or two.
0: All right, so I think that'll that'll that's about it. That's about we kind of went off topic uh, off topic there, but that's okay because at least our listeners
2: can kind of see into the world that we're we're seeing here as well. I remember watching what happened on uh, October 23rd 10 years ago, and that was terrible. We don't want to see a repeat of that. People you know, setting fire to public buildings and throwing cobblestones at policemen. Nobody wants to see, wants to see that. Yes, uh, it is a problem that Viktor Orban kind of lives in his own world, hermetically sealed off from reality, surrounded by yes-men. And, and I understand Peter UAS's eagerness to inject some reality into this kind of echo chamber uh, that Viktor Orban lives in. But he and his followers have to take care not to cross the line that was crossed 10 years ago, which basically gave us yobik. You certainly
0: make a good point. You
2: know, I, I would just point out here that, uh, and I'll kind of just
0: wrap up this entire uh, podcast right now with this with this idea, and kind of bring it back to uh, the whole, uh, I guess, the theme of the protest that took place on Sunday is that, you know, as as media as the media environment continues to be squeezed with the closure of Nap uh, and you know, just the the media situation in general here in Hungary, you know, as as opposition politicians and civil society begin to um, be squeezed out of public life, like they have no room. They're being suffocated. Um, it's it's very unfortunate that you know you get to the situation where an opposition politician will go out and heckle and disrupt a pol a uh, another politician's you know or maybe the, the prime minister's own event um, just to be able to make a point. And uh, yeah, it's 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 very unfortunate. And uh, you know, let's yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, thank you for listening. Bye bye.